And now our feature presentation, Imitating Art with Don and Chuck. All right, welcome to Imitating Art. I'm Don. I'm Chuck. At Imitating Art, we like to watch and dissect movies and figure out what kind of life lessons they have to offer us that we can apply to our own lives. And today we're going to be talking about the 2018 film Blind Spotting, uh, which has subsequently been turned into a series that I have not watched yet, but I'm interested in. Yeah, I didn't really know anything about the movie or the show until this. Oh, really? Okay. I had seen it. <clears throat> I think I saw this movie in the theater. This this was in the Movie Pass era, I believe. And <laughs> I. I uh, I utilized my movie pass to go to the indie theater and watch this movie, and I very much liked it, and I was excited to watch it and talk about it again. We didn't talk about it the first time. <laughs> you you mentioned that you um, were interested in this one because it was uh, described as a drama comedy, and even though like I think there's so much there is like a lot of comedy sprinkled in, but I think I'm just again so used to com- like dramas that I really like having com- comedy like as part of part of it that I, I i guess i don't see the comedy side of this movie as much because it feels a lot more like a like a thought piece drama movie to me okay so what do you think about uh the booty collins movie and that's i mean i feel like that one comes up to me in relation to this movie because they came out around the same time and i mm-hmm. saw them around the same time the Bootsy Collins movie does feel very <laughs> like a very much like a comedy to me, even though it does have like it feels like a comedy with drama elements, and this one feels like a drama with some comedy elements, I guess. So I suppose there's a Venn diagram there, but to me, this one definitely feels like a lot more dramatic and real, like in some ways, you know, than than that one would. Like that one feels a lot more like out there. Especially because that one involves like the weird like sci-fi twist that, <laughs> that you, nobody saw coming. Yeah, I, I mean, if you want to consider this one more of a drama, for most of it, it's more of almost like a, a light drama. Like it's it's fairly lighthearted for most of the movie. Sure. So I, I don't like I don't think calling it a comedy drama is like a, a misnomer or anything. I don't think it's a misnomer. I, I guess it's more that I, I I don't see as much comedy in it as I see like. I think it's more of a drama. Like, I guess a more of a lighthearted drama is a better way to describe it to me. The the comedy doesn't come through as much to me, except for in like certain instances. Maybe, anyway. maybe you just don't think it's funny. It's just not fucking funny. Anyway, <laughs> I'll try to I'll try to describe what this movie is about. So, blind spotting basically uh, takes place over the four days th- uh, that uh, the character Colin has left on his probation. Um, is it probation? That's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, for some reason, I thought that that was the wrong word. Yeah. So he has four days left on probation, uh, and it basically takes place in Oakland uh, and kind of shows you a portrait of the city of Oakland and kind of how it's being gentrified. Uh, and he is he's hanging out with his friend. He's working construction. I'm sorry, not a construction. Uh, he's working a moving job, and he's working with his best friend from childhood who tends to lure him into bad situations. So he's doing his best to like stay on the straight and narrow, do his time in the halfway house and get himself out of probation and back to his normal life. Um, in this period, he, uh, he witnesses a police officer shooting somebody in the back. Um, and he is like kind of afraid to report that because you know, of all the implications, basically. And basically, day by day, he's, like, dealing with going through his normal life uh, with with a friend who is kind of getting him him into trouble and, like, carrying a gun. And he's trying to, like, pull himself out of the life of anything that would make him go back to jail or make him considered a felon or a criminal. And uh, at the same time, he's, like trying to decide if he's going to move to a different portion of his life or like be pulled sucked back into like the the lifestyle that he had before that led him to the crime in the first place um and that's kind of basically all it is it's just him dealing with life in oakland being gentrified and life with uh the people that he grew up with pulling him one way while 
kind of his true direction is pulling him the other way. And he's also try- just trying to uh, successfully get through probation. Like that, well, that's, that's what the, I mean, yeah. That's the, <clears throat> he's trying to get through these last four days without <laughs> getting getting yeah, yeah. sent back to jail. That, that, that's kind of what the, the main thrust is. Like, and, and that's why his uh, friend, Miles, poses such a, a threat to that. Because, you know, he carries a gun. And yeah. he's constantly, like, he doesn't think of anyone other really than himself. So he keeps getting yeah. uh, uh, Colin into these situations that kind of potentially threaten his ability to uh, finish stay his probation w- without, uh, not just, uh, stay on the straight and narrow, but just get through probation <laughs> without fucking it up. Right. And that's what I mean. That's also what I meant by the, um, oh, what did I say about, uh, about him in the, in the very beginning that he basically is trying to like keep himself in this direction. And miles keeps pulling him in the other direction, almost like telling him, well, this is not who you are. This is not, this isn't the column that I grew up with. I don't recognize you anymore because you don't smoke weed now, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, so he has a really, really hard time figuring out how to like navigate that, that line where he's like, he, he's trying to not be perceived, not, not only perceived as a criminal, but he's literally trying to not be a criminal in the eyes of the law. So he can, <laughs> he can get himself through four simple days to the end of his probation and, there's definitely, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but there's definitely a lot of disrespect from Miles to Colin as far as like, you know, throw, you know, putting his, taking his gun out and, you know, kind of mocking him trying to stay clean those last four days, especially so it doesn't get put back in jail before he ends probation. And like Miles doesn't seem to care that he's like, I just want to get out of the car. I don't want to be around your gun plausible deniability don't tell me if you have the gun on him and he, he'll just pull it out and just say hey uh, ha, ha, ha. you know he'll joke around and say i got the gun again and you know there's there's a weird dynamic that those two have even though they're very close friends miles is uh very disrespectful of like the 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 situation that colin is going through yeah well to be fair uh miles is disrespectful of pretty much everyone <laughs> and <true>. everything uh, <laughs> he just doesn't care uh, <laughs> that is very true. Um, <clears throat> so before we before we dive d- deeply into the movie, that very beginning, I really like the scene, uh, like the, the the comparison scene that starts off the movie, where you kind of see white gentrified Oakland, and then like the black other side of Oakland, either old Oakland or uh, homeless Oakland, that has been like the people who have been pushed to the sidelines by all of the rising costs of living and uh, property prices going up and all that. Mm-hmm. I was just in Oakland for two weeks and it was kind of weird actually watching this movie after being there because I recognize, not only did I recognize a lot of the places, but it's very much exactly what it looks like there. You like, you look on one side of the street and you see these like new, you know, sleek faced, obviously higher priced apartment buildings that have only been there for a few years and then the, you you know you go to the overpass and there's dozens of uh, tents and like uh tarps people living outdoors I'm sorry the like just homeless people all over the place and just it's just it's a very very weird situation seeing like the gentrification happening and the whole foods was featured prominently in the, <laughs> in the intro and that that's that is you know the whole foods is the hallmark of a gentrified neighborhood basically <laughs> and seeing like that homelessness everywhere and there, there are murals and blm signs everywhere which is great but then you realize that when you look around all you see are white faces and it's just you know there's a there's a mural of george floyd but you gotta you gotta go under the bridge or around the corner to see a black person, and it's like all the residents can't afford to live there anymore. But hey, we we put up a mural; it's fine. <laughs> these guys, yeah, the mural; th- those people used to live here, so we're good. We're okay, right? Yeah, we got this, we got a BLM sign in the, in the window. No, Black Lives Matter, but they can't live here anymore. It's <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's that's really like what the the vibe of that neighborhood is like now. It's like 
the the guy that they talked about, the the guy on the tall bike, mm-hmm. <laughs> the guy with the beard and the glasses on the tall bike. Right. And mm-hmm. they were like, we're taking gentrification to a new level here. That's really like, that's very, very much what Oakland feels like right now. Uh, just before moving on, I do want to point out the fun fact that Miles is played by the main antagonist from the reboot of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Season one, uh, the season one of the reboot. Uh, I've recognized him from somewhere. Other he's than the being, antagonist? Uh, he's the main antagonist huh. uh, in uh, the first season of the reboot of Are You Afraid of the Dark? What is the main antagonist in the original Are You Afraid of the Dark? There isn't one. But, uh, okay, I didn't think so. But, but so the I reboot, thought it was strange. The reboot has uh, is serialized. So A lot of through lines? Okay. Well, and season one is just three episodes. So, I mean, oh, okay. he, he's in all three, but he's the antagonist of it. Hmm. Um, okay. Did yeah, not know yeah. that. The new Are You Afraid of the Dark is an anthology series the way new anthology series are. It's a new story, new characters each season. Oh. Um, anyway. And I'll say that uh, Colin is played by David... Diggs. Diggs, uh, who is the main uh, character in... Uh, it's like it's set in the future... Huh? Snowpiercer? Snowpiercer, yes. He's the he's like the the lead in Snowpiercer, and it took me quite a while to like realize that's who he was. Mm-hmm. And I love him in Snowpiercer, and um, I, I guess I had, I think I had seen this movie first before I watched Snowpiercer, um, so I probably kind of recognized him when I saw Snowpiercer, but he still felt like that character. So I still like that somehow these two characters are completely separate in my mind, like he plays two very, very different people in Snowpiercer and this one, and he's great in both of them. So I'm very excited for like m- more of what he's going to do in the future. Also, yeah. he was in Hamilton, which I never saw him in Hamilton. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. And, and actually speaking of how you have those two different characters in mind uh, as separate as like not necessarily being Davy Diggs, Mm-hmm. Same thing with so Miles. Like I kind of recognize him from somewhere. I would never have guessed that it's the same <laughs> actor who plays. And yes, he has the very menacing name in Are You Afraid of the Dark of Mister Top Hat. Uh, That's such an Are You Afraid of the Dark name. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean it's it's clearly him. But I would never like they're so he's a very good actor. Like uh, I would never put the two of them together in in my mind. But I, uh, I was going to say I did recognize him from somewhere, other than just he kind of looks like a, a budget Zach Morris. <laughs> <laughs> budget Zach Morris is such a great name for him, and yep, it's really just in this movie. Like it's, looking it's at really pictures, just, it's just his hair. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's it's the hair and it's the color of the hair. It's basically if Saved by the Bell took place in Oakland. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I just see Zach Morris with a grill. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, getting right into the fact that uh, I, I really like that first bit where he's in the courtroom and basically like the judge, you know, he's kind of zoned out and the judge is telling him, you know, you're on probation for how for two months or whatever it is and you got to stay clean, et cetera, et cetera. But he's barely not listening. And then he said he asked for a verbal confirmation and he just says, yeah, mm-hmm. I appreciate the lack of respect for because, you know, the system doesn't deserve his respect, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you get to see that he's on probation and he's being, like, treated like a child, basically. You have to be in by 11 and, you know, you have your chores to do and all this kind of stuff. And, yeah, I mean, I get it. But it does feel very infantilizing in that scenario. Well, I mean come to find out he did beat the shit out of someone and put him in the hospital for a week so getting out of prison for that like it i i don't think that we necessarily treat uh anyone in in prison or or jail with uh the sort of dignity that we should but i do understand like uh at some point at least maybe not for a whole year because he was on probation for a year after he got out right but having like this middle period of being like, okay, we're trusting you. Just, you know, follow a yeah. couple of rules and show that we can trust you. And again, putting him through it for a year. Yeah. Uh, that seems, seems excessive. Overkill. Yeah. Because then it was like 11 months, 27 days later. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's, there's so much like, there's so much nuance to the whole thing though, that not only, I mean, yeah, he went to jail for doing something stupid and shitty and he shouldn't have done it. And then you find out that 
Miles was also heavily involved but didn't go to jail for it. And who knows yeah. how much that had to do with, you know, Colin protecting him by not saying he was involved or versus Miles not stepping up and saying, you know, saying he was involved as well. Because it seemed like Miles did a decent amount of the shit kicking when you get to see that yeah. scene. I, I feel like we should also probably point out, because it fits heavily into the story, that uh, Colin is black and Miles is white. Sure, yes. Yeah, very very much very much a part of that all the this the point I was trying to make without actually saying that for some reason. Yeah, I should have said that <laughs> Miles is the white guy who's does not uh go to jail. Um also and, and the guy that he um I guess like the the guy who oversees the halfway house that he lives in, you know, he's the one who like monitor he's like the hall monitor who's like, You're nine minutes late, you know. I mean that's mm-hmm. some bullshit. Fuck you, man. You're it's eleven oh nine. I understand there's rules to be followed, but come on. He yeah. it's he's he's twelve he's almost twelve months into his probation and he's nine minutes late. Give him a break. Yeah. I mean it's probably one of those things where uh, he's just trying I know he's to just run doing his a, job. A, a good halfway house and yeah, but it's like, I mean, the idea, the reason he was nine minutes late is because he just saw a guy get shot in the back. Right, yes. So, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, he should have been there sooner, but, like, the, they're extenuating circumstances. He made it this far into his into his probation. Come on, give him a nine-minute break. Come on. Things happen. Well, um, but fair, also, it, and the guy, it, it, the guy is the... mentioning, we're, we're, we're using these rules as, basically, as, as a, a filler for the laws of the land and we're saying you know if you can follow these laws for 12 months then we're going to assume you can follow the law of the land when we let you out of here back into society yeah uh, I, I was going to say to be fair that first time he's late in the movie uh all that happens with the guy who runs the halfway house is he basically just knocks on the door and says hey it's 1109 right. you know you mm-hmm. can't keep doing this which sure, is so it may have been a habit <laughs> who knows yeah so and and but I feel like that is at least like that's not giving him too much shit. It's just like, hey, just a reminder. Yeah, you were nine minutes late. It's right. li- li- later in the movie when uh, the guy seems like he's like he's gonna write him up or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, he seems like this midway point of like, I have to make sure you follow the rules, but I want you to be able to get out of this and yeah. go back to your life. Like, sure. I mean, and he also, at that point, I think it's that later point where he says, you're a felon, like you're a convicted felon now. You have to consistently be proving to people that you're not, basically. Mm-hmm. And, but I mean, but wasn't it like that already for Colin? Like, even before he was a convicted felon, didn't he always kind of have to be acting like, you know, behaving as if he was guilty until proven innocent when he was on the streets, you know, like, and he had to always kind of be proving to people that he wasn't the guy that they see on the street because they, they look at him and they see a thug, basically. I mean, you're probably right, but, I mean, this guy means specifically, though, like, every I, I job know. he applies for, every, I mean, Miles even, I mean, Miles, uh, 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 Colin even mentioned it, uh, at one point in the movie that getting an apartment is tough because one of the questions on applications is, <laughs> have you ever have been you ever convicted of a felony? felony? Yes. <laughs> uh, so it does, like, even though he, he might have felt it before, now it's like this actual thing that he's carrying with him. Okay. Uh, yeah, that scene with life. his mom where he's like, did you, why why can't you find another place? You can't find an apartment? Yes. Uh, have you ever been convicted of a felony? Yes, I have. For what? <laughs> God damn it, mom. That's some cold shit. <laughs> like, his mom really was like, giving it to him hard there as far as like, why do you have to stay at my house? <laughs> mm-hmm. But basically what I mean by that is he was kind of, you know, as a black man in that area, he was already having to put on his best face all the time and you know, he couldn't, he can't let his guard down and, you know, he can't do the shit that Miles gets away with. Like, he can't just pop off and, like, spout off at somebody in the street and expect that he's not going to get shot by the cops when they show up. You know, he's going to be, like, they're going to take the black guy, you know, that when he's in the moving van and Miles is leaning over and honking and yelling at the guy in front of their truck, the guy calls the moving company and says a black guy with dreads was honking his horn and yelling at me. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it was clearly miles in the other seat, like the white guy yelling at him 
blatantly, but yeah, the well, black guy gets blamed. So of course he already has to like pr- be on his best behavior and more all the time. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, I mean, I wasn't disagreeing. I was saying no, no. <laughs> he's got the added baggage of actually being a felon now. That yeah, I was just clarifying that that uh, is like going to be on documents for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah, just, and that's just the adding adding to now. the baggage of being in Oakland. Yeah, in this case, in this case, you know, not not his fault. He like definitely like put okay. himself into a shitty situation where he shouldn't have been doing that. But you know, there's a lot there's a lot around it. Yeah, and it was the same sort of thing that kind of happened to happens to Miles uh, later in the movie, where uh, they both just kind of feel slighted by someone. And right. I mean, the asshole with the drink that uh, uh, Colin beat up was like he put his hands on Colin before yeah. the fight started. But still, first of all, Colin was at work; like he he was basically the bouncer for a bar. Yeah. But and that dude was a douche. And, and, yeah, I, if you're if you're I, the bouncer, you you pull him in or you like lay him down. You don't beat the shit out of the guy. <laughs> yeah, you don't put him in the hospital for a week. You put uh, him on the ground uh, and you call the cops or whatever. That was even though that's ultimately uh, like a a tough sequence to watch. the The way they tell it with the guy who recognizes him from the fight, oh, yeah. and uh, I thought that was because that guy is like kind of funny, and then like. He's like, oh, this is a great story about this time this guy beat the shit out of someone. And it's like this long, like funny story. And his friend keeps interrupting him. And and then he's just like, by the time he gets to the end of it and he realizes that this is an uncomfortable story for the other two people in the room, mm-hmm. he just kind of looks nice and awkward. He's like, well, we got to go. All right, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it really, it was well done, especially because like they, they recounted it. They, they showed us what happened, but. At the same time, they made they made Colin relive it, and more importantly, they made Val relive it. Mm-hmm. And making Val or making uh, Colin relive it in front of Val made it even more powerful because, like, he's basically like trying to remind her he's not that guy, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Right, you know, I can pretend to forget this once in a while, but once again." I'm reminded right in front of my face that this is who you are. This is who I see you as. And it was really hard for him to like hear that all right in front of her again. <laughs> like he had to just sit there and take it basically. Yeah. Even though he's a green juice guy now. <laughs> yeah. God damn. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Newman was in this. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's funny uh, the way uh, when you watch like a, an indie movie, and you watch the opening credits, and you're like, oh, there are all these names that I recognize. And then they end up being in, like, one scene. Like, Wayne Knight and um, Tisha Campbell, the uh, the hairdresser uh, woman. She, oh, she, yeah. she was in Martin, the, uh, okay. the television show. Martin, so I didn't, recognize, I didn't recognize her. But I, I saw but her name in the credits, and I, was, and I was like, huh. <laughs> and then she's, again, just in the one scene. I really like, I really like Newman's cameo in this movie though i like wayne knight's cameo in this movie though as like basically just because i really like him as like the guy who is from oakland and he's trying to like be the artist who represents it i actually really like his like uh, superimposed photos of like the oak trees where they used to be mm-hmm. where like the highway interchanges and like condos are now so as a as a photo concept i think that's pretty cool yeah and also it's just a like a storytelling device of like, yeah. Hey, Oakland used to be this thing, but uh, now it's this yeah. thing. Let me show you like a a nice, simple visual to let you understand it. I like that they're almost like they're almost like taking it back even farther. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like twenty years ago, yeah, Oakland was probably ten years ago. Oakland was just like more of a, like a low income black community, and you know whatever. There were Starbucks and Whole and Whole Foods on every other corner. But I like that his art is like, well, yeah, but before that, like not even that long ago, yeah, this was like more of a forest and there were oak trees everywhere and there was like one road that went through here. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I like that they took it back even farther than just being like, yeah, 20 years ago, it was near 50 years ago. This was just my family. Um, the uh, The hair flattening scene was hilarious and it very much reminded me of garden state in a way like oh, okay. when like they went, that, they went they went from 
<laughs> yeah, like they went from the salon of him like standing up being a carnival barker selling <laughs> those those hair straighteners to hmm. like Mr. Sitting, sitting on a <laughs> sitting on a park bench. Uh and and his hair is all straightened and it's hilarious, like cause it, just like the the flat look on his face and his hair all straightened. He's clearly not happy with it. Yeah, it just very reminded me of that uh, the vibe of Garden State very much. It, it's a great cut. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a few great cuts, like uh, towards the beginning when uh, Colin is jogging, and he goes like through a little tunnel, and then it cuts to uh, Miles's son Sean. I think going through it's someone going through a very mm. similar tunnel. Uh, I think like in the house, and then that's when you see like Miles's house. I'm pretty sure that's what they cut. Oh, nice! I didn't even notice that. I like those uh, cemetery running scenes though. That is a, that's Piedmont Cemetery, and it's like it's very like famous cemetery in uh, in that area, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like open to like joggers and bikers and pedestrians because uh, there's this like it's huge and you can hike up to the top and there's a beautiful view of the of San Francisco and Oakland from from the the higher areas, and it's just like massive and expansive. So. It's kind of like a landmark in Oakland, so it's cool that they added that as as part of the as part of the scenery. Uh, they do a really good job of introducing like rap and and poetry as a form of expression for both both of the characters. Yeah, like when when he described Miles as a carnival barker, like there are a hmm. couple of scenes where he's getting into that like rap rhythm of of well metered rhyming words to to just like he 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 uses the rap and uh everything that goes with it to be more of like a show off mm-hmm. uh, and be like look at me almost even in the the dream sequence where uh like Colin's dream where I think it's in a courtroom and oh yeah and Miles is in the dream doing a little bit of a rap but that's still very showy whereas every time Colin does it he's just he always starts a little slower and is just trying to sort through whatever it is he's feeling. It, I mean, it works well throughout the movie, but especially, obviously, at the end when the entire climax is him sorting through his feelings in a very tough scene, but he's doing it in this very poetic, uh, emotional way. And it doesn't feel odd or out of place because they've been doing it throughout the entire movie. And I, I just thought that whole aspect was very well done. Yeah, I love that element of the film, and I also like that they very, like they they tag they tag each other's uh, rhymes and raps and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like they'll there's a part where like uh, Colin can't think of a word, you know, he throws in one or two other things, you know, he throws in one or two other rhymes, and then he says, yeah, yeah, that's that's what we're looking for, and then he he like kind of flows from there, and it's pretty cool that they like seem to like play off of each other really well. Yeah, because there's a bunch of scenes where instead of just wrapping their thoughts they're talking it out like almost like they're trying to write a song together yeah uh yeah like colin will come up with a line and they'll you know feed off each other like as you said and just kind of almost like bouncing ideas off each other totally to go back to the hair scene real quick like the, the the point where he uh had val come over and uh rebraid his hair after he had the you know the straightener the straightening done that was like a very intimate scene between those two. And like, mm-hmm. you could see how they have like a very good dynamic together when they're not fighting or, you know, dealing with whatever had happened with, uh, with Colin. <clears throat> and then they get that like really long hug at the end of the scene where, you know, they had, that's clearly very, you know, they're very close and they like still care about each other very much, but there's a lot of complicated history between the two of them that they're working out. So you can see the difficulty that they're both having at like, moving on or redefining that relationship she's like she's sort of the one that's uncomfortable uh like she still obviously cares about colin and is willing to come help him uh you know do the braids but what as you said they have the really long hug but once the hug started reaching like a certain length and he started pulling her in a little closer that's when she was like this i i knew Something like this was going to happen. No, I have to go. Yep. And unfortunately, <laughs> ten forty-five. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seemed 
pretty clear. I like that uh, Miles was like pointing out for us that when they're showing the police shooting on the TV that on the news that they use the like the ju- the orange jumpsuit photo of the black guy who was shot and killed. Mm-hmm. And then they use the like professional dress blues photo of the police officer uh, that shot him in the back, like very you know the, something that's kind of basically ripped from the headlines kind of stuff that we see all too often. The guy you know the guy who choked out George Floyd. You see his you know the nicest photo you can find of him, and then you're like, oh, and look at this thug George Floyd who was maybe possibly counterfeiting a twenty dollar bill. Uh, yeah, so obviously we, you know, he should have, should have been killed on the street and not given a fair trial, that kind of stuff we see all the time. So, um, I like that they actually like, they pointed that out for us, you know, in the, in the, uh, by showing Miles being like pissed off about it and having a chat with his wife, girlfriend about it. I don't know if they ever defined that. I don't think they did. And I say that because I'm unsure too. (laughs) so yeah i mean so i'm glad i'm glad they actually addressed that and you know show that and there's a lot of little things like that that they show here um without having like a big conversation about it where it gets played down one way or the other but at least one of the characters gets to voice their annoyance at the whole the whole thing yeah and um ethan embry who plays that cop he gets basically one line throughout the entire movie but he still gives quite a great performance in, in that final scene as well. I didn't um, mean to. Yeah. Uh, which is, Are you sure? yeah, uh, is a great little moment there, but just his face in that entire climactic sequence, like the, the rap sequence we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Where, um, it, it's, it's really interesting because you, you don't actually get to know what, he's feeling and it's so they talk about the idea of blind spotting in the movie where it's like it basically an optical illusion uh, they use the example of the two faces that also look like a vase where you only get to see one side of a picture at a time and it all depends yeah. on, on what you see first so you know when we see him the cop in tears at the end and you know he looks like he feels like his world is falling apart because it is it seems like you know it looked like his his wife was leaving him right that's why she, yeah stuff was moving up. yep but you don't get to see if there's any regret for what he did or how he feels mm-hmm. about any of that you just you know you only get part of that picture too yeah so it, i mean it's a great performance and he only gets the one line so you get to completely interpret it the, the way that makes sense to you but yeah you basically know. the cop is his his character is a blank slate that you get to put your interpretation onto like and that's the question the movie's asking really is like when you see a white officer who shoots a black man do you believe that he did it on purpose do you believe that's what he's out there to do do you think he regrets it do you think he cares like we get you know we don't get, we don't hear his side because we don't, you know, as it comes, you know, as it comes down to it, we don't really care about his side. We saw what we saw, you know, and it's, you know, we get to put our, and I think that's part of it is like, it's what you bring to the movie or what you bring into this movie really is like a part of the movie itself because you get to decide how you feel about that cop. You get to decide if you think it was done with malice or if he actually in that, section in that section where he's crying is he crying because he's losing all his family and i don't know maybe he's going to lose his job who knows mm-hmm. like is something going to happen to him is he does he regret it because he's losing everything that he built or because he killed an innocent black man you know like you get to decide what you think he feels yeah uh, especially because we don't actually i don't think they ever say exactly what was going on that night that he killed the guy uh we just right. know that he was chasing this guy we don't know why uh we don't know if this man did anything or if he was just suspected of doing something yeah. uh all we know is he much like uh I- i'm pretty sure in that same news scene 
that Miles was complaining about showing the guy in in the orange jumpsuit, I think the I think the news describes him as a convicted felon, right? Yeah. Much like uh, Colin, uh, and you know that's all all we get was this person was previously a convicted felon, and one night he was running away from the cops and got shot. That's all we and, really know of the situation. Yeah, and to that point, we have no idea if the police the police officer who was chasing him had any idea that that was the case. Like, yeah. It, for all we know, he could have just been another black man running away from, you know, running, running away, running in general. We don't know if he had any idea of his background or who he was. All we know is he got shot in the back four times. That's, that's all you know. Mm-hmm. So you get to draw your own conclusions, basically. Um, yeah. And the point where the relationship between Miles and Colin comes to a head where they get to like, yell in each other's faces about how like miles gets to be wild and stupid and and he know he gets to try to act street in you know colin has to work hard to be see be seen as anything but a thug Mm -hmm. like that's a really like hard reckoning that those two come to after miles mouths off and beats the shit out of a guy at a party you know just for getting in his face about something and like being seen, you know, yeah, he gets for, his ego hurt for being told that he's basically not from the neighborhood and he's acting yeah. like a black guy, <laughs> but even though he grew up here. And the other guy, the, the black guy who's actually here working for the tech company probably moved in. I think he probably moved in from Portland with the other guy. Yeah, I, I would say uh, Miles probably acts the way he does, like pretending, not really pretending, but acting like a, a quote unquote thug. Uh for probably the same reason that Colin tries not to, which is survival, right? Uh, if Miles yeah. grew up in that neighborhood, he probably, if it was not a great neighborhood, he probably needed to be a bit of a hard ass to not get his ass kicked all the time when he was a kid. Yeah. And, and now it's just stuck with him. Uh, but again, as you know, Colin puts it, you get to be that and you don't have to worry about the same things I worry about. Yeah. Or the same things we as the audience have to worry about when... You know, uh, a couple minutes later, uh, Colin is walking down the street with uh, uh, Miles's gun still in his pocket, and a cop car stops next to him, and we don't ever see yeah. the cop. And it's Shines just light this, in his face yeah, for no just, apparent reason. Yeah, just, just this tense scene of a cop basically fucking with a black guy on the street because again, yeah. one of your first thoughts is, are they just gonna stop him and frisk him and find the gun? And yeah. his probation is gonna be up are they gonna see the gun and and shoot, shoot him, him. Is, is, yeah. is he gonna run and get shot like the guy at the beginning of the movie there's so many like possible futures that could have happened in that one moment yeah and that's you know colin's whole point in that argument was that those are moments that miles doesn't have it in his life yeah. uh so yeah uh, i think to to Colin, the way Miles X feels a little false, but I mean, ultimately, I think he understands Miles a little more than than most people do. But, but still. yeah, to me, I feel like Miles is the white guy that Dave Chappelle is uh, referring to in in his like early stand up when he's like, "We have no idea what that white guy did to get in with that group of black guys. <laughs> like who, who knows what he did to get their respect. <laughs> so he probably did have to like play it up to the point where he's like, all right, well, this is a survival mechanism. Like, obviously he's probably like the, uh, miles was probably like the white minority in his, like in his school or in his group of friends. So he probably had to like kind of adopt this personality growing up. And like, that's, that's just who he is now. Mm-hmm. Like he's not putting on a face anymore. That's just who he is. Um, so he gets to like kind of go through feeling like he had, but he, but he still feels like he's putting on a facade. So like he realizes like he, he said, he says to Colin that he feels like he needs to play this up to realize, you know, for people to realize that he's not just like, like some interloping, like white guy that has come in and moved in the, into the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. This is who he is. He's part of the neighborhood. He's old Oakland. Whereas Colin again has to continuously try to like keep the peace and like play it down and just be, you know, respectful and like kind. He has to pull miles out of stupid situations yeah. because he's like, there's no reason to get into the situation. I'm going to be the one that's going to get blamed for this. Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. Not just plain, but potentially killed. Shot. Yeah. 
Um, and I mean, even best case scenario, I'm still on probation. It's my last night of probation. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. Like, there's no respect there. Like he's, he cares more about his, his ego gets in the way of him, like respecting his best friend and like doing what he's like, he's asked him specifically, let's not get into any shit tonight. It's my last night of probation. Just try not to get in it. And they, and they went to like the chillest party ever. Yeah. And that pissed off miles though, because that's not, that's what, what I mean. And miles couldn't be. handle it. Like, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Colin was like, yeah, fine. I'll have a Zima and hang out with these guys. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> but miles took such offense that he had to go out and like, just almost kill someone. Yeah. And uh, to be fair, we don't know what actually happened with that guy. They didn't c- come arrest Miles, so I imagine yeah. the guy probably survived, but he was fucked up after that yeah. fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally don't blame... I, I'm totally, like, right there with my, with with Colin standing off to the side and being like... Like, you could see him, like, almost stepping in, but just, like, at the, at the end being like, no. Like, Miles put himself in this situation. I have no horse in this... You know, it sucks that it's happening, but I can't do anything about it. I have to just, I got to step back because me putting myself in this situation is only going to make things bad for me yeah, <laughs> or and, worse and for me. Well, especially since he already deescalated the situation once and then the guy came back for miles. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what are you going to do then? Yeah. Like, he not, had now they're just both, I mean, both being assholes. And, and after that is when they had the chance to like get in each other's faces and like kind of say the things that have been on, on their minds. And, you know, Colin had to walk away and you, you really can't blame him for that. Yeah. Not at all. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised they're still friends at the end of the movie. But... Me too. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I guess history goes a long way. <laughs> but I mean, uh, it's, you know, the movie magic of Miles does seem like he's ready to start making a few changes uh at the end of the movie you don't get to see him make any of those changes but yeah but the the actor's performance seems like you know he's internalizing everything he just did and the danger he's put people in and he's finally starting to think about it because he got to see his like three-year-old son four-year-old son hold you know not holding a gun not knowing what it was and holding it like to his face yeah, speaking of that, that's a pretty that was a pretty crazy situation to sit there and watch like yeah. the little kid. I guess predictable as as uh as Miles' wife said that like did you not think that if you told me that you brought a gun into this house that I might have seen this situation coming? Yeah. Um but no, he just kind of left it there in his pocket or wherever it was and yeah, and the kid ended up like playing with it and like pointing it at his face basically and yeah, scary scenario there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, even after <clears throat> even after the probation is over, you can still see that there's like a weight shackled to to uh, to Colin, and he's still kind of living in this like feeling of like so- that something bad's going to happen at any moment. And then you know he's he's having his first morning off probation, running through the cemetery, and he's still having these flashbacks to the shooting and to the fight and to everything else, and you know, you see the scene where all the graves have a black man standing in front of them basically. And it really does kind of like highlight the, the idea that there's a good chance that black men are going to die young and be, be killed early. And they're, you know, they're really just kind of like waiting to take their grave more or less. Yeah. But it was a very powerful scene. I really liked the way it was done. It was, um, it wasn't like, it didn't feel pushy didn't feel like over overdone it just felt like an like a scene where he like it was kind of just like the psyche of of colin realizing like what's happening in his neighborhood and like what happens in the lives of most black men in this country yeah all all the sort of like dream sequences or like inner mentality sequences that he has were, were all pretty well done but, um, oh, and, and speaking of the kid, I was going to mention that before that the fact that, uh, they have to teach their whatever six year old, yeah. seven year old son to say, my hands are up. Don't shoot. Like yeah. the fact that you have to teach a young child that is just like, that's like heartbreaking. <laughs> and that's, that's probably one of the saddest things to see in the movie is that you have to teach your children how to basically submit to the police so you don't get killed. 
Yeah. And that's crazy. Because, I mean, yeah, Sean is Miles' son. Because even though Sean is white, his son is half black. Yeah. Which means... Yeah, right. You know, you know, going back to the uh, blind spotting thing where you just see whatever you see first is, yeah. is what you see. Uh, you know, a lot oh, of... Oh, it was a pack cops, of Skittles, not a gun. Yeah. Uh, uh, a, a lot of... Well, I just mean, yeah, uh, Sean might be half black, but a lot of cops are only going to see black. Yeah. They're only going to see the so, black side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know what you mean there. Now I understand what you're saying. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that leads up to like the last scene that we've talked about a couple times, but I, that, it's such, I love that. I love that scene in the garage with the, with the cop. Um, and he, and, uh, Colin brings back the fact that, uh, Miles mentioned people listen better if you make it sound pretty. Mm-hmm. So then he like launches into his like slam poetry rapping rhyme fest and he really gets a lot of he gets a lot out really quickly and it's just a very like intense scene as like the camera zooms in and he gets closer and closer to the officer with the gun and like he, and the cop is just sitting there, like standing there crying and there's so much acting done in his face like you mentioned like just very very intense like watching David Diggs like spit all this stuff and then like look back at miles and then look back at the cop and watch the cop in terror. And he's like, Oh, am I scaring you? Does this gun scare you? Does it scare, does it scare you to have me point this gun at you? Like now you know how it feels. Um, and one of the lines I wrote down from it was, um, every time you monsters come around, you got me feeling like a monster in my own town. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that, (laughs) like that line right there describes what it feels like to be around the police. And I mean, I'm white and, I feel more scared when cops are around. Like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong, even if I'm not. So like yeah, thinking of I what mean, it's like, it depends on the context, but yes, sure. But I mean, I'm saying I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm specifically talking about, or let's say, let's say just when you're driving, I feel like oh, everybody sure. can relate, can relate to the fact that I'm driving the speed limit. I'm doing nothing wrong. I'm terrified. Now I'm thinking I got to drive everywhere within the lines and I got to, I, I got to signal and worry about every little thing and I can't drive normally anymore. And that times a thousand is probably what it feels like to just be a black person walking in their own neighborhood mm-hmm. past a cop. Like, and you see the cops, like you see the cop cars in the background of this movie all the time when they're outside, just like kind of slowly driving by. And you can just imagine that like, you don't see the cops, but you just can just see them, the cop cars slowly driving by. And you just have to imagine that they're just eyeballing these people, like waiting for them to do something wrong. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yes. just a great, great, climax and just a, a, a really interesting way for them to like uh, bring everything back around so he could like face this cop that he saw in the very beginning. Yeah. And it gets that attention of, uh, that miles's gun has been throughout the entire movie and no one's been shot with it yet. So yeah. you're, you're just waiting for someone to get shot with it. That That's why it's even more tense when Sean has the gun, the fight at the chill, like hipster party, Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought was a little more intense because I knew Miles had the gun on him, and again, no one had been shot with it yet. And uh, again, when when Colin pulled it out around the cop, I was like, I like I don't want him to, but the, and I don't think he's going to. But the tension is there because uh, we've talked about Chekhov's gun before. But when there's a gun like that, especially throughout the movie, you're expecting at some point someone's probably going to get shot with it. He bought that gun in the first scene, basically, yeah, yeah, when yeah. they're sitting in the car. <laughs> yes. So you really are, like, waiting for that gun to be used the whole time. Especially since you know uh, Colin was on probation, and it's yeah, going to fuck up Yeah, in some way. Like, it life. didn't even have to be fired. Yeah. It could just be in his pocket yeah. and cause him to go back to jail <laughs> or get shot. Yep. Really good device. Really, I, I like that they used it without it ever being fired. I like that it... Well, it got fired into the attention. air, but that's it. Well, right. Okay. Yeah. It didn't get shot. Nobody got shot, got shot. And that's a, that's a fun little use of that gun. I actually didn't even realize he had the gun in that last scene. I don't even know why he had, why he had the gun in that last scene. He still had, cause he was wearing his jacket. It was the same jacket he was wearing the night before that he had slipped the gun into his pocket. So he probably didn't necessarily mean to bring it with him. Uh, move, you know, I think if you were putting on a jacket with a gun in it, you'd feel the weight of it. But movie-wise, I think, so. I think yeah. we're just expected to 
believe that he slipped on his jacket and almost forgot the gun was in there. I got to say, though, I expected when uh, Colin tossed the gun to Miles at the very end that Miles was just going to be like, all right, I'm going to finish this for you, basically. And like, I thought Miles was going to be the one to take the cop out at the very end. Uh, I mean, I think that thought kind of crossed my mind, but I was like, that, that I don't think that would fit into... The movie. It doesn't. It didn't really make sense, but Miles is very. Uh, he's he's very like trigger happy, knee jerk kind of guy. Well, so I thought yeah. maybe. <laughs> but I mean that that was like the because by the end things are starting to get reversed and yeah, Miles has already gone through like the night before where he's now thinking about things a little more seriously and you know he in that scene he's the one trying to de-escalate things between. Colin right. and someone else. So I do like at the end where he's like, So before we go to this next job, um, we, should we talk about something? Because yeah, I'm pretty anything sure anything else you need to get uh, off the chest. Pointing uh pointing a gun at a customer is probably like maybe a once a day, maybe never thing. Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe <laughs> once ever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, very good ending and that that scene, that climactic scene was was just really Really fun to watch, and Debbie Diggs just really killed it. I agree. Yeah. All right, well, why don't we uh, take a break and come back and talk about the many lessons of this movie. Okay. Okay. Hey, we're back. Hey. Hey, lessons. What's up? Um, so, I mean, there's, there's just, there's, there's a lot of layers to this movie, but I feel like the, like the name is based on the, uh, like the, uh, what do you, what would you, what did you call that? What is that thing called that they, you see the the faces where you see the the vase. Yeah. Yeah. The optical illusion, whatever it is. It's like a a psychological thing. Yeah, you'll see it very often where you like some people you either see like the the black vase in the middle first or you'll see the two faces looking at each other. And I mean they they point that out and we already talked about it a little bit, but the fact that you can either you can really see things as one thing and I think Val says like even if we do the hard work of retraining our brains, we're always going to be conditioned to see like kind of what our brain knows something as first. Like that's basically what our brains do. They sort things into categories mm-hmm. and they say, well, I see this. So I category categorize it as this. So if you have been trained that you should be afraid of a black man as an officer and shoot first and ask questions later, then that's where you're going to see. Like it's all about implicit bias and it's really hard to overcome that initial training that we've done to our brains so constant reconditioning and retraining is just really, re- really important. And basically like learning empathy and seeing people as people and not colors or objects is important for everyone, but very important for police officers, especially, I would say. The the way you phrase it, I'm not sure if, you mean like not see the color or like not see only the color or not bring the biases that you bring with when you see the color. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just mean but, the implicit bias that comes with yeah. seeing black skin and deciding, you know, thug, felon, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, one of the things that I think I mentioned earlier and that Val says about that illusion is that you can, like there are two images in the illusion, but you can only see one at a time. Like if you see, if you see the vase, you can look at it, at it again and see the faces, but you kind of no longer see the vase. Right. Um, which is pretty true of all those optical illusions. Like the one where it's like a spinning dancer. And if you look at it, she's spinning in one direction, but if you keep oh, looking yeah. at it, it looks like she's spinning in the other direction. Mm-hmm. So, you um, know, both exist, but you can't see them. Like your brain can't process both at the same time. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that all gets wrapped into, you know, all of this, like you, you see a uh, convicted felon and then all of a sudden now, not all you see is, is convicted felon. And it takes a little bit of retraining to see person. Right. Like Val. I mean, she's like, like, that's like one of the, that's the crux of their like relationship right now is that 
Colin asks Val, so when you look at me now, do you only see the fight or do you see me? Like, and she can't divorce that from him now. Like she can't not see the person that he became in her mind that night when he like beat the crap out of that guy. I would imagine that's a pretty hard image to, uh, divorce from your, your mind. Someone you love, like kicking someone's face in essentially. Yeah, I feel like there's always, like, there's this, like, there's kind of that, like, tipping point where you're like, I never thought that this person could be like that. Mm -hmm. And now that I've seen you be like that, I I know that it's there. I know that it's possible. So it's, I can't, I can never unknow that that part of you exists, basically. Yeah, and especially if if seeing it is somewhat traumatizing, like it probably was for her, then... Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that whole, even if you didn't know the people involved, like that situation would could be traumatizing, watching somebody get, like, the their face kicked in, basically. Yeah, um, and... So, and the fact that she did know the people involved. And also just means it's going to be a lot harder for her to have control over that thought, that image coming into her head, because mm-hmm. it's... It's seared in, you know? Yeah. I don't want to use the word burned. It's burned into her mind. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the the scenario is hard to unsee once once she once you see it. And yeah, I can I can totally like empathize with that feeling of like, well, I I didn't think that I didn't I didn't think of you like that at all before because, you know, I thought I thought you were totally different and then I, I can imagine that's like the first thing that comes to mind now when she sees it because she's probably afraid that no matter how much she lets her guard down and they get back into old patterns that that is always a possibility now and she doesn't really want to like put herself in a situation which I mean totally understandable for her yeah I mean I kind of wrote down uh, ambiguity hard to see the whole picture all at once mm-hmm. um which all gets gets wrapped up into there. And again, like they did a lot with ambiguity. Like I said, the whole situation of seeing uh, the cop shoot the guy and mm-hmm. not having the information about what was going on. Not, not that that's necessarily important, but the context of only seeing someone get shot and not knowing what's going on and you have to yeah. figure out what's what's going on. I mean, I think we all probably have a pretty good idea of what was going on, but uh, you form different opinions depending on the context of, uh, of a situation and yeah. when things are uh, ambiguous. It's, it's funny that you say that because, uh, um, no, I think that, uh, that actually, like, that's what I was kind of saying before about like coming into this movie with formed opinions already. Uh, it, this movie's like challenging our implicit bias in a way mm-hmm. by saying like, all right, you show two people the same scene. Some people are going to say, Oh, well the cop was, afraid for his life. He did what he had to do. He took down a dangerous criminal and other people are going to look at it with, and none of us have any information really. Other people are going to look at it, for example, <laughs> like mm-hmm. us probably and go, Oh, well, you know, that person was running away and the cop shot him in the back. Yeah. Didn't need to happen. He decided to be judge, jury and executioner right there on the spot. That's because that's what I've learned to expect from the yes. police, basically. So I came into it with that bias, and that's kind of what I saw, and that's how I read that situation. Me too. And that's my bias. That's my implicit bias. But I mean, uh, my mind goes, well, that's what happens usually. So that's probably what happened here. You, again, you show somebody else, and they could see it, you know, totally differently. And that's just because of how we've been kind of. You know, that's how we've learned to see the world at this point. Yeah. Um, and in trying to get people to see things differently or, or change the way they view things is tough. And and that's what we were talking about before, about how, you know, people might have seen Colin before and assumed that he's a, a felon or, or a thug or a criminal. But now that he is one, he has to spend a lot of time trying to convince people to see something else. Right. Um, which he was doing anyway. But um, but now people have the context of this person is a felon, which is going to make his job probably a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I meant one of the first things I wrote was that doing the right thing is never as simple as it seems. 
and there's a lot of levels to it, like the bias of being a black man or a white man or a police officer or a convicted felon. And like all these things like color the way you see the world and see other people and react to situations. And like also being that person affects the way that other people are going to see you and whether they're going to believe what you say or how, you know, how they're going to take the story that you, that you tell them and all of that stuff plays into not only the way you act, but the way that people see you and, uh, I guess, believe the stories that you tell them. And, um, that kind of leads into what I, another thing that I said about like that hindsight in hindsight, everything seems like it should have been simple. Like when Colin is looking back at his actions there, you know, even Val says like, just because you had to show off or like be the big man or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and Colin realizes it too. I think he said to, uh, Miles's son that he got, he went to jail for being a tough guy. Basically. Yeah. He realizes like that he, what he did was stupid, but like the emotions that seem like they should be so easy to control when you look back at them in the moment, in the heat of the moment, like things are never quite that like straightforward and calm and clear in your mind. So hindsight's twenty twenty, basically, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'd say even looking back, you know, I think Miles now realizes buying a gun was just a stupid idea. Yeah. <laughs> Again, he never says that, but when... Um, what's her name? Ashley is, is talking to him about it. it. Just again, that actor's face is finally starting to show some regret as he's realizing he's made stupid decisions in his yep. very immediate past. The other thing, the last thing I wrote down here is that, uh, accepting hard realities about what you need to change in your life is really hard, but it's also very important and having somebody to help you, like go through that reality check is also important and somebody you should really keep around because having somebody to kind of steer you in the right direction and show you where you are, where your blind spots are. For example, miles is maybe not the best friend (laughs) or not looking out for your best interest. Um, having somebody to kind of steer you through those minefields of your, your bias or your, you know, history with people is really helpful and really important to, um, kind of accept the help from those people. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're probably not seeing the whole picture of yourself either, uh, because you don't know how other people feel about the things you, you do or say. And, you know, you might say something as a joke and someone gets offended by it. And like, like there are all these, I don't know what that means. I don't know how that feels. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, there are all these things that are who you are that you don't realize they are who you are. So, so having people point those out to you as well is, is also important. Yeah. Your blind spots aren't just about the world around you. They're, they're inside too. Well said. Uh, I, I, didn't have any more lessons. Yeah, neither do I. Neither do I. Um, really, really, really well done movie, I think, and really uh, fun in some in some sections. And like I said, I'm just really excited to see more of what David Diggs puts out because I I love the way that he. I, I just love like the, the characters he plays and the way he plays them. Yeah, I would like to point out for a movie that you at the top of the show described as not really seeing as a comedy, the amounts of scenes we recounted that you laughed about uh, were probably higher than most (laughs) non-comedies. Okay, maybe I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think it's just uh, the drama and tension is so so well done in some of the scenes, especially later in the movie that... uh, it kind of overshadowed, like you stop thinking of it as a comedy, even though there are a lot of really funny bits in it. Yeah. No, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of really funny stuff. And I think it's more that I enjoy, I enjoy the like hybrid things that we've talked about several times where I feel, it feels like more of a representation of real life because nothing is ever 100% dramatic or 100% comedic. It's always a mix of the two. And you, you know, we bring comedy to dramatic situations like they did in don't think twice and things like that. And like comedy helps alleviate the drama 
And I think that's just like, that's just natural. So I guess I feel like it's, it's hard to put together like a name for the genre in my mind. It's always like one or the other. And I, but I like movies that do it like this and like they bring comedy to very serious situations. Yeah. Like Scrubs. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. yeah, totally. <laughs> so you see, we we got to bring it in somehow. Exactly. So there it is. <laughs> On that note, um, if you want to tell us uh, all of the funny things that we missed in this movie, you can send us an email at imitatingart1 at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at imitatingartpod on Twitter and Instagram. And after you're done yawning, you can find Chuck online right here. Yeah, uh, if you want to find me individually. Uh, by the way, he didn't mean when you're done yawning. He was talking about me. I can mean both. <laughs> yeah, if uh, if you want to reach me individually, you can find me on all the social medias at uh, Big Effin Moose. Yeah, and you can find me on Instagram at Don't Worry, I'm Finite. And uh, you can listen to my other podcast on uh, anchor.fm slash Don't Worry, I'm Finite. So check that out. And uh, thanks for sticking with us through this episode. It has been actual. Yep, it's been real. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> Did you think I was going to say that it's been real? Yep. I was going to say it's been very actual. And I decided not to. <laughs> Don and Chuck will return in Imitating Art with Don and Chuck.